0: Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast. My name is Kerry Shumway and I'll be your host. In today's podcast, I'm sharing the audio version of a webinar that I put on on brewery debt financing. So this is really how to borrow money for your business. So we'll give you a crash course in brewery debt financing so you can create a solid funding plan for your business. We'll cover loan terms, types, Typical brewery financing structures. We'll talk about how your lender is going to evaluate you, your brewery business, so that you can prepare and put yourself in the best position to get the funding you need. So for now, please enjoy the audio version of the webinar on brewery debt financing. Today we're going to talk about brewery financing. Uh, so in our last class, we spent quite a bit of time on cash flow. Management really how to monitor, measure, manage your cash flow. And one component of cash flow management is to have a good financing plan in place. So, a financing plan is really just being thoughtful about kind of your current and future needs and ultimately what the strategy is for your brewery in terms of growth and what kind of capital you're going to need. So, I think the takeaway is really to not just Go and try and borrow money right when you need it, right when you need to buy something, but ultimately to, to set up a structure in advance uh, so that you'll get ultimately the right terms and rates and capital that you ultimately need. So, in this course, we're going to talk about some loan terms, just basic terminology, really the language of the lender, you know, what kind of terms are out there. So, you'll be able to speak that language, have a fighting chance, and understand what everybody's talking about. We'll talk about loan types, working capital, term loans and so forth, and really how your lender is going to evaluate you as a borrower. So some things that you can prepare for. And we'll also look at some typical financing structures. So this can kind of give you a picture of what other breweries are doing. So our usual housekeeping items, if there's any questions, pop them in the chat area. Uh, if you have questions after this, I know a, a number of folks have to watch uh, the replay. So if you watch this replay or the one that's on course page and you have any questions, anything to clarify or follow up on, please don't hesitate to email me here, Carrie at beerbusinessfinance.com. If you'd like to set up a call to talk, do a, a quick discussion about what you got going on in your brewery and how I might be able to help then shoot me an email. We'll set up a mutually convenient time to talk. And the course webpage has all the resources and materials that I'm going to cover today. So any spreadsheets, documents, and so forth, you can check those out at uh, the course page. And obviously, there's a separate video. Same content, but it's kind of all in one place. So you'll you'll have access to that video if if you need it. All right, so what we're going to cover today... Brewery financing basics, again, looking at loan terms, loan types, and typical loan structures, Uh, working with lenders, so ultimately how they're going to evaluate you, what they're going to need from you specifically, and really how to make the most of that relationship with your lender. We'll look at loan covenants and calculations, Uh, two of the common loan covenants out there, debt service and some type of leverage coverage, uh, leverage calculation. So kind of talk through how, what those are, why they're important, how to find them, and ultimately really how to kind of track these and add them to your financial reporting so that you can uh, stay in compliance with those covenants. And loan covenants are essentially promises that you're going to make to the bank. So in addition to simply saying, yeah, I'm going to re- repay this loan on time, uh, there's other financial covenants uh, that when you're borrowing money that you're going to be held to. So it's uh, really important to understand what they are and how they work. I want to share a loan schedule spreadsheet with you, really a tool that you can use to map out what you owe, uh, any monthly obligations, all the details of your loans. I, what what tends to happen is if we have multiple loans, more than one, we kind of forget, you know, when, when did we, when does that thing pay off? What was the rate on that again? And you know, which assets exactly is that, loan for, or what loans are collateralized by what assets. So I've found just a one-page s- spreadsheet like this can be very helpful. Uh, furthermore, loan documents can be quite lengthy. You know, we we're, we we go and we sign them, and, and there's sign here and sign there, and then really taking the key pieces from that, putting it on one sheet so you have access to it. I find this uh, pretty helpful. Uh, we'll talk a bit about private money, investor, investors, and outside capital. Most of my personal experience has been with traditional commercial banks and lenders. So that's where the, the bulk of this presentation is going to be. But I will speak to the limited experience I have with outside money, uh, friendly debt, and so forth, and, and really show you a tool that you can use to, to answer some of these questions, such as, you know, how do I determine, you know, if I want to take in a partner, you know, what percentage should they get, and how much should that be, and how do I value you know, my brewery and things of that nature. So I'll give you some give you some tools on that. And then lastly we'll talk about the effect of debt on your brewery financials. So, you know, we've got uh, different brewery models out there and different stages of of growth, obviously from startup, you know, through mature brewery. So we'll look at some examples of of how debt affects the financial statements. So for starters, you know, the question of of raising money of borrowing money, um, I think fundamentally comes down to your risk tolerance. So, how much money do you want to borrow? It comes down to your strategic uh, plan for your brewery. How much do you want to grow? So, most brewery owners, operators that I talk to are really all about growth. You know, they want to grow through the tap room and expand through distribution and then ultimately through wholesalers and from one state to the next and market to the next. Uh, but not everybody. So I think one thing to consider is what you know, what is your mindset, what is your mission relative to growth? There isn't, there are alternatives. I mean, certainly one is to stay relatively small with an objective of being profitable and having good cash flow. And there's a an interesting book on this topic called Little Giants, and it's by Bo Burlingham. I think really making the case for kind of thinking the opposite as far as you know growth versus staying small and manageable. So again I think one of the first questions is is really examining your risk tolerance when you take on debt you do introduce a bit more risk so really kind of just being honest with yourself in terms of of where you stand with that so when to raise is really a function of you know what is the market looking like you know are you have you reached capacity and now you need to expand and what does that look like in terms of borrowing capability and again your your tolerance for risk how to raise the money Generally, three buckets, you know, cash growing with cash flow. So if you've got taproom-only model and you want to grow uh, to self-distribution, uh, perhaps you're able to fund that growth with, with cash flow and obviously uh, the equity that you've been able to, to put away for that. The second option, obviously, friends, family, outside investors, and then using uh, traditional commercial banks, in bank loans so those are those are kind of the the three three primary ways to uh to fund those so some basic loan terminology you know many of these you've already heard of but we'll maybe add a little bit of color for these so principal and interest your p and i is essentially the payments that you're going to make on the loan Uh, so this is the monthly payment that goes out um, and it's split into two pieces you make one payment the bank is applying some of that payment to your principal, which reduces a loan, and the other part to interest, which shows up as an expense on your income statement. So that's just something to, to be aware of from a cash flow perspective, is that when we make those monthly payments, the income statement and your profitability only reflects the interest expense component. So the principal portion is over on your balance sheet, and it's reducing your loan. Your interest rate, obviously, this is the one that, that tends to get the most attention, but other terms of the loan may be more important, such as covenants and so forth. And I'll, I'll get into that. Uh, but typically, this is this is going to be one of those areas that gets negotiated. We're trying to get the best interest rate. Obviously, that's important. You know, it's real money. Your loan to value is essentially what means is what are you buying? What's it worth or what's the cost? And how much are you going to get for a loan to go against that purchase? Generally speaking, banks are not going to loan 100% of what you want to buy. So, if you want to b- buy new tanks, brew house equipment, or a new brewery, uh, they're, they're not going to loan generally 100%. They're going to loan somewhere between 70 and 80% on average. So, that re- is going to require you to, to look at the cash flow of it and say, all right, if I'm going to buy something, a brewery assets of 100,000, the bank's going to give me 70,000. I got to come up with 30. So, understanding loan to value, how that calculation works. So the loan term, and I'm going to distinguish between the loan term and an amortization period. A loan term with a fixed interest rate is generally the period of time that that interest is going to stay static. It's going to stay the same. Amortization period is generally how long you have to pay back the loan. So as an example, if you purchase uh, land and buildings, say you purchase a brewery, you will likely have an amortization period or a payback period uh, that's much longer than the fixed term where the the fixed rate of interest. So for example, if you get a 20-year amortization period for that building, but the interest rate is only fixed for five years, there's a, just a distinction on that. So to elaborate, an amortization schedule, essentially a repayment schedule, is just going to kind of list out, you know, here's here's the terms under which you're going to repay the loan. So this word amortization is used a lot. It sometimes has, has different meanings, but essentially if you think of an amortization schedule as the length of time uh, that you have to repay the loan. And then lastly, covenants, promises we make to the bank. Uh, there's all sorts of different types of calculations that are going to be used here, and I'll get into that a little bit more. But the takeaway here is to understand, all right, covenants are important. Make sure I understand what it is that I'm going to be held responsible for uh, as far as those financial calculations go all right so loan types there's many more than these but these are these are kind of the typical ones we've got a working capital line of credit or in other words a revolving line of credit we've got equipment lines of credit which is very similar to a working capital line of credit with the exception that it's for a specific purpose and that purpose is to you know purchase a specific type of asset or equipment and we've got equipment term loan the distinction between the two is really, with the equipment line of credit, you set it up in advance. Uh, you've got an open, open-ended uh, capital availability. Whereas equipment term loan, you're typically going and uh, setting up all of the details at the, po- at the point at which you want to actually purchase the equipment. And I'll provide some examples in a second just to uh, provide a distinction there. And then commercial real estate loan, land and building, things of that nature. You know, usually your longer term financing situations. So for working capital line of credit, really this is designed to help with any short-term funding needs that you may have. It's intended to be temporary, you know, perhaps seasonal. So if we're coming into a part of the season where we're going to be selling, we're going to be making more beer, we're going to be needing to buy more inventory, maybe our receivables are going to go up uh, for a period of time, like coming into the summer, that we have a short-term mechanism that provides us capital if if we need it. So it's obviously not intended to be a credit card where we keep a balance all the time, and it's not intended to be a long-term borrowing solution, uh, but it can be very helpful if you you come into a a temporary shortfall. So generally, these are open-ended lines of credit, and there may be repayment requirements. So for example, the bank may require that once per year, uh, that there's a pay down to zero, so they're going to they're going to put some discipline on you in terms of here's this line of credit, and it's intended to be temporary, uh, so we need to see that thing paid down you know at least annually. So your specific loan terms will dictate that. The line is typically secured by assets, assets of your brewery. Oftentimes, your bank is going to look for a personal guarantee assets might include things like your accounts receivable and any inventory generally speaking matching the loan to the underlying assets that you're using proceeds so again uh, you know disciplined use is required but these can be very useful in a pinch i definitely recommend you know looking into these and putting these in place again you, n- you never know when that pinch is going to come and you just need that short-term working capital uh, so this part of your financing plan can be very useful an equipment line of credit is similar. It's really a line of credit for specific asset purchases. So there's a lot of auctions going on. You know, Maybe a brewery goes out of business and you have a chance to buy a bunch of stuff fairly inexpensively, but you have to act quickly. Uh, so this essentially is a pre-approved buying capacity. They would call it dry powder. So you, again, you can act fast if you need to do it. It's open-ended in that if you've got the availability, you're generally only being charged interest when you utilize it, when you you know draw on the line. Some banks will charge a f- kind of a flat fee just for having this ex- capital available, uh, but generally only going to be charged when you use it. It converts to a permanent term loan after you make the purchase. So let's say you're you're grabbing some uh, tanks online, you've got an auction, you make the purchase. Once everything is completed, then you'll sit down uh, with your lender and finalize uh, the term loan. So you've you've been able to purchase the equipment, and then you're going to term it out and essentially amortize the loan over a period of time, get a fixed interest rate, um, and then you'll replenish your equipment line of credit for use if something else comes up. So again, I think a useful part of a financing plan, it does provide that flexibility, ability to act quickly. Um, it allows you to kind of pre-plan for equipment that you're that you're likely going to need. So if you know you're going to be on the lookout for you know certain brewery assets, having something like this set uh, set up in advance uh, can be very helpful. So equipment term loan really could be used in connection with that equipment line of credit that we just talked about, or it could stand on its own. Typically, if you're going to go buy equipment, you're going to go to the bank. Hey, I want to buy this. Then you're going to send them essentially the what what the invoice is going to look like you know what are we buying what's what are all the things that are related to it uh, the bank is going to want security on that so they'll essentially put a lien on the assets file a, what's called the UCC so it's helpful to that part of the event that you that you go to sell the equipment later or sell your brewery that you know, the bank may have these liens out on on some of your assets so that's where our our loan in handy so we can see what are the loans we've got. What's the collateral for the loan, so that we don't inadvertently sell? And it, it sounds like something that would never happen, but I have seen it. Where, say, there's an old line you want to get rid of it, you find it, you sell it, and then oh, the bank actually still has. So really, understand security loans are going to have amortization payment. It works just fine. But if you're in a hurry, just commercial, you're, you're big, big stuff, buying a bill, 15, 20, up to twenty-five years. So here's where the amortization period that 15, 20, or 25 years, the length of the, re, re, uh, how long you're going to have to pay it back, and your interest rate is going to be two different periods. So, for example, your lending period might be but you're fixed for, just in order to consider, you know, you know what interest rate environment looks like right now, just don't know what it's going to be after the next five years, but just to be aware of it that that is going to change uh, that time period to what rates are for, you know 5 years from now again loan to value conditions for making this purchase banks typically going to lend 20 to 30% oh I'm sorry you're going to need 20 to 30% equity of loan 70 percent of the value of the property in this case so our lenders typically do like to lend on real estate it's a very generally uh, investment they like they like safety uh, however there are uh, some considerations and complications you know, that really just Has a lot of paperwork that's involved, a lot of documentation. At times, there may be fire testing that, but nevertheless, you can get a generally a pretty repayment uh, with real estate. And for the most part, are, are willing to loan. loan structure might look something like we've got each of the pieces that we've just talked about a working capital credit, equipment term loan or term loans, real estate. For our, on a working capital credit, you may have something like 50 funds rate. It might be the bank's inter- internal rate, so that's certainly something you know to talk to your lender about. Is what what is their benchmark? What do they use for a rate? And then you can obviously negotiate on that. You know, the amount of availability is going to be t- dependent on you know primarily what you think your needs might be, and what you have for assets to collateralize the loan. Equipment line of credit very similar. I think your needs might be in terms of purchases in the near future. I mean, what the size is. So in this example, we have a hundred thousand dollar equipment line of credit. It's going to be based on interest rate again at the bank's uh, benchmark rate, and then it's going to convert to that term loan. And then fixed. It's good. These rates on your lines of credit are going to be floating uh, with the benchmark rate. It's all pre. planned in this case, we got hundred thousand dollars. In this case, the repayment periodization period is seven years. So we have seven years to pay it back. Our interest rate at five and a half percent, in this case, would be fixed for that seven-year period of time. And then it's going to specify what the loan is secured by. So the assets you're purchasing or additional assets or again, those personal guarantees. A uh, real estate loan, in this case, $300,000 loan, 20-year amortization, 20-year repayment, and a fixed interest at 5% for the first five years. So again, you may have... None of these. You may have all of these. I think just from a consideration standpoint, the working capital line credit equipment line of credit can provide some nice flexibility when you need Working with lenders, really how they think. Uh, the five C's is something you may have heard of. Capacity, essentially what, what lenders are going to be looking at, how are you going to pay the money back? So I'm going to lend it to you. I need you to demonstrate to me, show me a plan as to how we're going to get that money back. And that really comes in the form of our financial pro forma, you know, really showing them, all right, well here's here's historically what we've done, here's what we estimate to do in the future. Here's our game plan to get you the money back capacity. Capital really is how much skin in the game do you have? How much equity are you putting in? If it's a startup, how much are you putting in? If you're buying, you know, new equipment, how much what is what kind of equity do you have? So they love to see that you've got skin in the game. And relatedly they love personal guarantees. For me, Personally, I hate personal guarantees. Uh, you know, we have uh, our the structure of breweries is typically an LLC, limited liability corporation, uh, S corp, things of that nature. So there's uh, some protections for your for your personal assets uh, that are provided by those entity structures. Personal guarantee essentially um, eliminates that protection, um, and the banks love to get them. They just want to say, hey, you know, if you, if you believe in this idea, why wouldn't you? give me a personal guarantee on this. So just be aware of it. You know, it's it's probably a personal thing for me that I just do not, uh, philosophically, I don't like it. And I think operationally, it just doesn't feel good uh, to give that away if you don't have to. Uh, I understand there are times when you have to. But anyway, skin in the game, lenders love that. Collateral, so generally speaking, you know, uh, lenders are going to want assets to collateralize the loan. If something goes wrong and they're generally looking at it, from a worst case scenario, they're not necessarily pessimistic, but they do have to uh, protect themselves. So they look at it worst case scenario. If they had to liquidate the assets, what would they? What would be available available to liquidate? How would they get at it? So that's essentially collateral, things that are securing the loan. Conditions are things like the craft beer market in general. So we look at it from a macro level, and then very micro level. You know, what are what's our specific? market look like. So what are the financial, what are the economic conditions that may affect uh, the brewery and the brewery's ability to repay the loan? Character really comes down to relationships. It's important in any business. It's important obviously in our in our brewery business. And to the extent that your banker knows you, understands what you're what you're about, what your mission and vision is for the brewery and for the business, uh, that's really going to go a long way. So they, they tend to take all these things into consideration and putting different weight on each one depending on the scenario. Uh, but this is kind of a good recap of kind of overall how these lenders are going to think and ultimately you know, how you can work better with them. Really, what are they going to need from you? We've talked about this the sources and uses schedule. So really demonstrating if you're going to your lender and you're asking to borrow money, One of the basic starting points is to show them, you know, here's what we need, why we need it, and here's where we uh, hope to get it. So our uses and our sources. And it really will demonstrate to your lender that you understand what they're going to need to approve the loan. Because most lenders don't make these decisions by themselves. They come in, they get to know you and your brewery. Then they have to go back to either a loan committee or a board of directors and essentially present the case for loaning your brewery the money. So to the extent that you can demonstrate that you understand that, that this lender is going to need some ammunition, going to need some understanding uh, to get the loan approved, you know, this is really just one starting point. You know, what what are the sources and what are the uses? And then talking through, you know, the business case for it. As important, maybe more important is really getting your banker that realistic roadmap to repay loan. So what bankers are going to need, they're going to need a financial pro forma. really depends on what the loan is, but generally speaking, uh, this is important for you to do whether or not you're working with a lender, whether or not you're you know, looking to, to go get a loan. So in this financial pro forma, we've seen variations of this in, in earlier classes. What we're looking at down the left-hand side is essentially our summary income statement, sales, gross profit, operating expenses, and net income. And then we're going to add in our EBITDA calculation. So EBITDA being earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. So net income is the same as earnings. So net income is the E in EBITDA. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with net income, and then we're going to add back interest expense, taxes, depreciation, and amortization to arrive at our EBITDA dollars. And then we're going to compare that to essentially what the what the pay, loan payment is going to be. So in this case, you know, our monthly EBITDA compared to our monthly loan payments. So we're demonstrating to our lender, you know, we've, we've taken a thoughtful approach to this. We've done our financial pro forma. We understand what EBITDA is and how to do the calculation. And we're going to compare it uh, to our monthly loan payments and, and show you uh, that we have sufficient cash flow coming in to cover, you know, more than cover uh this new debt and these loans that we're going to be taking out. So lastly, with just some thoughts on on working with lenders and really how to make the most of that relationship, uh, keeping your lender up to date on what's going on, even if you don't need anything right now, it really makes lending easier and quicker in the future when you do need something. And keeping them up to date can mean a couple of things. You know, certainly sharing financials, sharing uh, tax returns so that they've got they've they're prepared with their numbers so they've got essentially the foundation of of what's going on you so they don't have to scramble and say hey can you send me this and you know, everybody's rushing to try to get a, a loan done so keeping them up to date providing financials tax returns regular updates and sharing business news these guys you know the guys and gals they're, they're number crunchers yes but they're also business people um oh, so really sharing what's going on with your brewery you know what Strategic initiatives? Do you have what new things are going on? Even talking about you know new beers or new you know paths to market that you may be exploring. So that that goes a long way. And they do love the tap room, so bringing them in, sharing a beer, talking about the business and the numbers, and really looking at them as a business partner, not just someone that you go to to get a loan, but really someone that you can bounce business ideas off of these folks generally work with a lot of different businesses and see a lot of different perspectives and have really can have a lot offer and you can learn from. And, uh, so just something that I've experienced is, uh, you know, really looking at them as a, as a business partner can be helpful loan covenants and calculations. So again, loan covenants, these are promises that you make to the bank. Um, they may be called tests or calculations. So obviously, we're we're promising when we take out a loan, we're promising to pay it back and we are pay it back on time. And in addition to that promise, the bank asks for these covenants, which are essentially financial results that the bank expects uh, that you're going to achieve. So they're usually looking at um, one measurement for the income statement and another measurement for the balance sheet. So they're looking for, say, an operating covenant. How are you doing uh, operationally? And a leverage covenant which essentially is you know how how leveraged are you how much debt do you have relative to say your net net worth or your net equity so the the two uh, loan covenants that we're going to look at are debt service coverage ratio and a debt to net worth ratio so i'll go through those calculations but the real takeaway um, is that covenants exist and if you have loans of any size you likely have covenants in your loan documents Looking at those, uh, if you can't find it, you know, call your your lender, email them, whatever. What are my loan covenants? Uh, so just make sure you understand, you know, what's re- required of you because that's one thing you, you don't want to surprise on a broken promise. So debt service coverage ratio. So your debt service essentially means the payments that you're making on the loan. So that's your principal and interest. This is typically measured on a quarterly or an annual basis. Your debt service coverage ratio is essentially how well your cash flow is going to cover your debt payments so in this case cash flow ebitda plus or minus a few other financial items your bank your lender may have a specific calculation but it generally will involve ebitda cash flow in some fashion so in this example if we have debt service our total payments on the loan say for an annual basis is a hundred thousand dollars and we've got coverage EBITDA, in this case, cash flow of 150000 over the same period of time. We're going to do the math on this and divide our debt service into our coverage to get our debt service coverage ratio. So $150,000 divided by $100,000 is 1.5 times. So that's a 1.5 times coverage. So what's typical here, um, again, there's lots of fluctuation. Really, I've, I've seen it as, as low as one, as high as two usually somewhere in the low ones, 1.2, 1.3, or higher. Typically, the bank is going to want it higher. They're going to want to see and have the brewery demonstrate uh, that they've got more than sufficient cash coming in to cover this new debt service that's going to go out. So that's a debt service coverage ratio, uh, pretty common as far as a a covenant. Leverage ratio, essentially how well we're using debt. Uh, So typical... Uh, calculation we'll see is the debt to net worth. So your debt, how much debt you have is essentially your loans outstanding that you're going to see on your balance sheet. And your net worth is essentially your equity. So equity is down near the bottom of the balance sheet. Equity section, equity essentially measures the relative overall health of your brewery. Equity, if you're a startup, is going to be whatever you've you've put in uh, to brewery for cash. If your growth or, or mature brewery that's been around, equity is going to represent not only that initial investment, uh, but the sum total of all the profits and loss that have flown through your business since you've started. So the bank is really interested in what's your net worth, essentially how, what's your foundation look like relative to the strength of your balance sheet, and then they're going to compare the debt to that. So in this example, if we have debt of 500000 and we've got net worth or equity of 500000 We've got a debt uh, to net worth ratio of 1.0. So we're dividing uh, essentially our debt by our net worth to get to that number. So if we had debt of a million dollars and net worth of 500,000, we would have a ratio of 2.0. We would divide that net worth 500 into debt of a million uh, to get to 2.0. Here, uh, bankers typically like the ratio to be lower. You know, they would prefer you know somewhere in the low ones to mid ones. Uh, here again, maybe the range between one and two, it's going to vary on a lot of different factors, but typically bankers like this ratio to be lower. Uh, contrasted with our debt service calcu- uh, debt service coverage ratio, banks typically like to see that higher. So the takeaways, understand that covenants exist, understand how the calculations work, determine what you're going to need to report and calculate, uh, what is the time frequency, Lenders will often have a, uh, their own spreadsheet that they want you to fill out. Um, or if they don't, I find it helpful to sit with them at least the first time and say, all right, walk me through this. You know, you've got my financials. Show me how this should be calculated. And then that's something that you can put in your monthly financial reporting packet. So if you're producing income statement, balance sheet, and cash flow, uh, it's relatively easy to drop these calculations um, in. Don't necessarily need to do it every month, but quarterly is helpful. And one of the big reasons for doing that is so you can see if you've got issues before they become big issues. One thing I've certainly found with lenders is if there's problems, if you're seeing mm, we're starting to have a problem here, communicating to your lender in advance, give them time to work with you. Because uh, generally speaking, if they do have enough time to uh, to get in, they do want to work with you. Nobody wants to write a bad loan. Nobody wants to uh, trip a bank covenant. So. If, you see some, if you're measuring it regularly and you see some potential issues, some storm clouds gathering, communicate that to your lender, and more often than not, they're going to be able to help you. All right, the loan spreadsheet. So this is really just a way to get all your loans in one place, understand the basics of what you've got going on in terms of rates and terms, repayment schedules. Um, and it's a good way to reconcile to your balance sheet. So your balance sheet is going to list all of your debt, all of your notes payable and so forth. And this schedule, uh, with all the details, is just a great, a, a good way to support what's on the balance sheet. Make sure those numbers are correct. So this spreadsheet's in the download. So I'm going to go through it. Um, there's there's some other items to capture, uh, but these are these are the the main ones. So again, your loan documents when you're closing a loan, there's lots to sign. There's a lot of paperwork, generally stacks and stacks. A lot of legalese. So the idea behind a spreadsheet is let's just get the pieces that are actually important that we can actually use uh, to monitor our debt, to monitor our, our cash flow relative to the loan. So just creating a, a simple one-page one, one page spreadsheet. So for starters, we want to list who's the bank, who we borrowing from, because we, we may have multiple. Um, sometimes there's equipment, financing. If we're going to get a forklift, that might come from one institution. If we're going to get Oregon Capital Line of Credit, that might come from a traditional bank. So who, who is the lender? So this, this says bank, but really lenders who we're looking for borrower who's borrowing the money. Typically it's going to be the brewery, but I have seen breweries that have set up separate real estate holding companies. So a separate company that purchases the real estate and then leases it back to, so it may be owned by the same parties, but who's, who is the borrower on it? A description of the loan. You know, what is the asset that's being financed? The loan number, you may or may not need this, but if there's an internal bank loan number that's helpful for reference. Your GL, which is your general ledger number, this one you really do need. So this ties back to the balance sheet so you can support uh, that that number, make sure it's correct. Start date of loan, payoff date of loan, uh, that's always a fun day when we pay these things off. What's the original loan amount and what's the current balance? The current balance should tie to your balance sheet. What's the payment amount? whether that's monthly or whatever frequency that might be. And the spreadsheet in the download goes on to, to talk about the covenants too, like what are the covenants related to this loan? Uh, what is the collateral on this loan? Things of that nature. But you get the idea. It's create a, create a spreadsheet, grab just those you know eight or 10 key data points for each of the loans, and then you have it all in one place uh, so it's easy to find. All right, so I do. I want to talk a bit about private money outside investors. I do have limited experience with this. Um, you know, primarily we've worked with traditional lenders um, or owners who have provided friendly debt, generally at favorable terms, uh, with limited security, uh, or in, in some cases, unsecured loans. Primarily because traditional lenders. Uh, want to be what they call first in line. So if there's a problem, they want to get paid first. Uh, so that's that's typically uh, what happens or what can happen is if you have friendly debt, that debt might come in unsecured. So the questions that I've heard, you know, really, f- folks, either you're in planning your startup or your growth stage, and you're looking to to bring in some outside money, you know, to fuel the growth of the businesses. Well, how much equity to give up, and how do I determine? what a fair value is for that equity. These are tough questions. Um, and what I would say on the how much equity to give up is, is almost primarily about negotiation. You know, what are people willing uh, to come in? What are you willing to give up in terms of ownership of the company? Determining the fair value, um, I think is less of uh, a question mark. Really, it's, it's largely about an EBITDA calculation. It's largely about cash flow. How do you compute that? you know, what estimates do you use? Uh, so we're going to get into that a little bit, but how much to give up really about negotiation. We've seen that if a lead investor, if you're going to have multiple investors, a lead investor is generally going to come in, it'll be a negotiation back and forth on how much percentage wise, uh, what that dollar is going to look like. And that can then serve as a template or a model for subsequent investors that that come in. So, from an evaluation standpoint, you're really what's going to drive the value of your brewery? How do you determine it? Again, you've got uh, the subjectivity of different buyers are going to assign different values. People might be in different places, in, you know, financially or career wise, or there's any number of reasons how people assign value. Uh, but the old standby really is what is the business cash flow, and the purest measure of that is is our old friend EBITDA. So, I want to talk about using EBITDA, using multiples to really determine that valuation. And really something to think about is those decisions that you make today, you know whether you're looking to bring an investor in the near term or midterm, whether you're looking to possibly sell or market your business. obviously those decisions that you make today that influence or impact EBITDA are going to influence and impact your valuation. So we're going to take this spreadsheet that we've looked at a few times here, our financial pro forma. So we've got our summary income statement. We've got our EBITDA calculation. And the only difference here is that we're going to just put multiples down at the bottom. So we'll have an EBITDA multiplier. And this is going to give us just a kind of a sense as to potential valuation. So these multiples, you see 5x, 7x, 10x, is really where the negotiation comes in. EBITDA generally is what it is. Um, so whatever your actual results are, your forecasted results, you know, there's certainly s- subjectivity in that in terms of are we going? what percent are we going to grow and so forth. So we've really got these two variables is what's our EBITDA today, what's it going to be in the future, and what's a fair multiple of EBITDA to assign in order to calculate our valuation. So if you go to a typical blender, a typical bank, and if there's a, the buyer is using a bank to finance, the bank's going to be in the more conservative range, five times EBITDA, seven times EBITDA, maybe at the on the high side, and even can be even lower. But there again, those lenders are pretty conservative. If you go into the outside private investors, it's really over the place. You're, you're aware of you know purchases that Anheuser Busch has made in the past, Constellation, Miller Coors. Uh, these multiples can be astronomical. Uh, those days are pretty much gone. Uh, however, you know, w- with the right buyer, these multiples can be higher. So for example, if we've got an EBITDA of about 200,000, and we're able to command a, a 10 times multiple, we believe our brewery should be worth somewhere around 2 to 2.2 2 million. So we can use that as a basis for how much equity are we selling, and what's what's the price uh, for each of those percentages. So it's a, it's a Relatively straightforward valuation that you can use. You've already done the work to do your financial pro forma. So you simply add these multiples in and base the valuation there. So just a minute on the effect of debt on your financials. So there's there's different stages depending on where you're at, startup to growth to a mature brewery. And there's also different models. So a traditional, so if you're just working with wholesalers, hybrid, maybe you've got a tap room self-distribution, and then direct to consumer if you're just, say, taproom only or you taproom in some self-distribution. So the impact on your brewery is going to vary greatly depending on these two things, what stage you're at in your growth and what type of model or go-to-market strategy you're employing. So if you're working primarily with wholesalers, most of your capital spending is going to be in your production brewery. Um, so financing that and what it's going to look like. If you've got tap room, self- distribution, and working with wholesalers, that capital, that financing is gonna look a lot different. Now you've got to build out a tap room. you've got self distribution, so you have to finance the assets of of that type of business. You're working with wholesalers, so you have to have a production brewery that can keep up with market demand. So really looking at what are you what type of model are you today? What do you anticipate being in the future? And then what is that going to look like in terms of the impact of that debt and that borrowing on your financials? So this is really to get you thinking about projecting not just what your financial income statement pro forma is going to look like, not just are we going to grow sales and what our margins are going to look like, but really digging into your your assets, liabilities, and what your balance sheet is going to look like. And furthermore, layering in these covenants. And looking at what, what the lender is going to see um, in terms of we're going to grow, we're going to borrow money in order to fuel that growth. Let's let's model out our debt service coverage ratio. Let's model out our leverage ratio. And kind of get a feel, at least internally, for how that growth and that new capital is ultimately going to impact our financial statements. So, again, this will be in the downloads. It's something to think about spend some time with. But really, again, the takeaway is we want to model our income statement, but we also want to model out what our debt service and leverage ratios might look like. So we've covered a lot of ground here, um, some key takeaways really on the, on the financing basics to understand some of those, those key loan terms. Many you'll, you'll have already uh, dealt with in the past, some maybe you have not, but understanding kind of the language of the lender so that you can have, you can be prepared, have a fighting chance when you go in to negotiate these loans. Different types of loans and loan structures. Um, really, what's kind of typical out there. And I think looking at your financing plan as a component of your cash management plan. Again, you run out of cash, you're out of business. A good financing plan can help avoid that. Working with lenders, really understanding the lens through which they're going to look and evaluate your brewery. You know, what are they going to need from you? And ultimately how to make the most of that relationship. And in my experience, lenders are can be very good business partners and provide, you know, a lot of good perspective. We talked about loan covenants and calculations. Again, the takeaway is covenants exist if you're going to borrow money of of any size. Understand what promises you've made to the bank, debt service, your leverage, add those to your financial reporting so you don't run into any surprises. Use the loan schedule spreadsheet. If you have multiple loans, really map out what you owe, what your monthly obligations are. Kind of get it all in one place because, again, those loan documents can be can be pretty overwhelming. Private money and outside capital, really looking at if that's a route you go. Start with what's the value of your brewery. Use the EBITDA calculations. Use some of those multiples. Kind of play with those numbers. Understand it's going to be a negotiation one way or the other. Uh, but if you've got a model, that EBIT evaluation model to work with, uh, that's at least uh, a tool that you can use during that negotiation process. And then looking into the future, the effect of debt on your brewery financials, what is what is your brewery model now? What do you anticipate being in the future? What types of assets and capital are you going to need in order to af- affect those changes? Again, if you're taproom only now, but you want to go to self-distribution, really modeling out what, what are we going to need for assets and borrowing? And what's that going to do to the overall financial picture? Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.